everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Thank you that your promise stands, Lord. Thank you that no matter the circumstances around us or the emotions within us, that when we declare your truth and believe it in our hearts, we speak it with our mouths, we sing it and we, we believe it in our hearts, Lord, you are faithful. And we call for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our midst, Lord. We want to see lives transformed, marriages healed, emotions restored to to balance. We want to see miracles. And Lord, we need you. We can't do it on our own. We need you. Have your way in this place and in our lives today. In Jesus' name. And everybody say with a mighty shout, amen. 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 You may be seated. Oh, thanks team for uh, being amazing, amazing, amazing musicians. Uh, Is that going to count against my time today? (laughs) You know, years ago... If you were to ask, what is your favorite Bible verse? Probably the most, most commonly known Bible verse in all of North American culture would be what? John 3, John 3, 16. You've seen it on, uh, you know, on TV back in years gone by. I don't know if it ever happens anymore, but it used to be that it, at football games, just about every time you would see somebody with a sign held up that said John 316, uh, or you know the famous football player, Tim Tebow, he would paint it under his, his eyes, John 316, and, and people might not know exactly what it said, but then you would, you would quote it, you would read it to them, and they go, oh, I've heard that, oh yeah, that's a good one. And And what does it say? Everybody help me out. John 3.16 says, let's read it out loud together. Here we go. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That was one verse that everybody used to know. But I wonder if today there is a new John 3.16. I wonder if today there's another Bible verse that maybe is even more commonly known that even people who don't know the Bible, if you were to ask them and then, and then quote this, they say, oh yeah, that's a good one. I love that one. That's my favorite. And it's Matthew 7 verse 1. People might not even know where it's found in the Bible, but if you quote it to them, people would be, yes, that so suits the ethos of our culture today. People who hate the church, people who hate Christianity love this verse. I bet you know what it is. Matthew 7 verse 1, Jesus said, everybody say it with me, Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. Or in the old King James, it was judge not, 
lest ye be judged. Would you agree that that is probably like most people's favorite Bible verse in our culture today? In fact, you know, you hear it all the time. Don't judge me, man. Don't judge me, man. In Romans chapter 14, verse 10 to 13, it says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment. Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Everybody loves this, right? Don't judge others or you too will be judged. But here's the problem. I'm not sure that that verse means what people think it means. Because there are other places in the Bible where we are told to make judgments. In John 7, 24, Jesus said, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. In other words, there are times when, when you have to confront people, when, when you have to speak up and say what is good or, or bad, say what is right or wrong. In fact, when Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged, he went on to tell a story that people love, one of the stories that Jesus told, where he said, do not uh, point out, he said, you point out the speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye, but in the meantime, you have a plank of like a two by four of wood hanging out of your own eye. And so people say, therefore, you shouldn't ever say anything that anybody else might possibly be doing wrong. But the problem is we fail to recognize that in the very next verse, Jesus says, first, get the plank removed from your own eye so that you can then do what? So that you can then help others get the speck from their eye. It's not saying that sometimes we don't need to call out issues in our world or issues in people's lives, but that we need to make sure that while we're doing it, we're not passing Judgment and, and so what is the difference? Well, we're gonna talk about that in just a minute, but let's just acknowledge that secondly, it is impossible for us to live in this world without making judgments on a daily basis. As a parent, you have to make judgments about whether to believe your kids or not when they're telling you something, if they're telling the truth. Because just for your information, they're not always telling you the truth, by the way. You make judgments about who to date and who to marry. You make, make judgments on who to vote for in elections. You judge one candidate to be better qualified than the other candidate. If you run a business or, or have employees, then, then you make judgments about who to hire and who to fire or who to do business with. See, every day we have to make judgments about situations and about people. And so which is it? Jesus says on the one hand, do not judge others or you too will be judged. And on the other hand, Jesus said, but when you do make judgments, make sure that you are making a right judgment. So which is it? 
Which is it? How do we, how do we rectify those seemingly contradictory ideas? And so uh, here's the key. I heard this from Vadi Bacham, and I thought this is so insightful. Years ago, he said, this is where we get confused. There is a difference between making a judgment and passing judgment. Let me say it again. There is a difference between making a judgment and passing judgment. For example, every day you make judgments about people and situations, and when you do, you have to seek God's guidance. You get into his word to see what the Bible says about your issue or about this person. You learn from your experiences. You seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you seek the the advice of of a wise, godly, mature, spiritual counselor. You, you, You evaluate all the evidence, and then you make decisions based on what you think is is right or wrong. But I think what the Bible is saying is that even when you make a judgment, the next slide, even when you make a judgment, be careful not to pass judgment. Now what's the difference between making a judgment and passing judgment? See, passing judgment, I think, is when you do more than just look at the evidence and make a decision. Passing judgment is when you go ahead and write somebody off. You render a verdict because you think you know what their heart is. You think you know why they did what they did. You think you know their motive, and so you judge their heart. That is passing judgment. And and scripture says, we do not have the authority to pass judgment. Now, there is only one who has the authority to pass judgment. Who is that? God, exactly. Remember what we read in Romans 14, verse 10. Why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. But look at that first line again. Why do you judge your what? Your brother or sister. Now, what is the relationship between a brother and sister? It is a relationship between equals. But passing judgment is when you say, oh, no, 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 we are not equal. I am better than that person. When we we put ourselves in the superior position, When we think, well, in that situation, I would have been so much better. You think you know what that person deserves. But the Bible says that that it is not your job to pass judgment. It's God's job. That is the job of a judge. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. You're not better than me, and I'm not better than you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Romans 12 verse 10 says, be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. And so catch this, it is impossible to honor others above myself when I have passed judgment that they are below me. 
Because make no mistake, there is a judge and we will all be judged in the end. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse nine and 10 says, so we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And the point of this is that none of us will be good enough on our own. For all of us, our only hope is the saving grace of Jesus Christ. In John 5, 24, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, Jesus says, has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. See, that is the good news. There is only one hope for our salvation. And it's not how you're better than that person or I'm better than this person. Their only hope for anybody's salvation is the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that is why we must have a posture of humility before God and before others. We can't pass judgment on anyone. That's God's job. But we do have to make judgments on a daily basis. And so how do we do that? Well, you know that's an issue that they were struggling with in the New Testament church. You know, in the New Testament church, as Jesus returned to heaven and they're, they're beginning to work out their faith and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church, they're trying to figure out in this new community, this new faith community in the name of Jesus, they're trying to figure out how to make good judgments without passing judgment on each other. And what you read in the New Testament is that there are conflicts and divisions that began to grow over some very specific issues in the New Testament church. For example, Two of the major divides that you had, in fact, the major divide that you see that they were continually trying to work through was so often the divide between those who grew up Jewish versus those who grew up Gentile, which means not Jewish. And so the Jews had grown up in very strict religious families who worshiped the one true God. And so they had grown up with the Old Testament laws and, and regulations, and they had, had grown up with, with their families observing the holy days in very specific ways and doing things just so with their traditions and, and following the strict dietary laws where you cannot eat this and you, and you cannot eat that. And so in these towns, in cities like Rome and Corinth, these cities that the New Testament letters are being written to, in these cities, they had large pagan temples. And in these pagan temples, one of the things that they would do is offer meat sacrifices, animal sacrifices to these false gods. And then what would happen is that meat that was really good meat, I mean, it was great meat, yeah, give me some of that steak. That's awesome. And so they would, they would have that meat and you'd have ribeye and, and prime rib and sirloin and everything ready to go. And it was for sale from the pagan temples and it was a good deal. Like it was a good price, better than you can get anywhere else. 
And so the Jews grew up with very specific ideas in their families when they were children that, that, that eating food from that temple is a defilement. It's dishonoring to God is the way that they had been taught. Even though you know, th there were not specific biblical instructions about that at that point. But meanwhile, you have another group who are coming into the church who are uh, from secular or non-religious families. And so, so they would come into the church and they're accepting Christ and they didn't grow up this way and, 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 and they're used to being able to get meat in the market and so they think, hey, this is an awesome deal. We can buy this meat from the, from the pagan sacrifices and hey, it's cheap, it's good meat. We can eat it, we're saving money and we can feed our families and we can save more to be able to give to the mission of the church. And so this division arises. Where the Jews on the one hand are saying, these Gentiles, they don't know right. They weren't raised like us. They don't know that that's inappropriate to eat that meat. And meanwhile, you have Gentiles who are, who are looking at the Jews and say, look at these guys who grew up in these strict religious families and they've got all these, these legalistic traditions and, and they're not living in the grace of Jesus. And meanwhile, you have a third group of people in the church who maybe did grow up in those pagan temples and they were used to worshiping at these false idols and eating that meat as part of their pagan celebrations. And so in their mind, they can't disassociate the two things. And so for them, it just feels like eating that meat would be going back to their old pagan life and that, that now they're trying to live a new life for Jesus and they wanted to leave that behind. And so you have this... The situation in the New Testament church where, where these groups are in division and passing judgment on each other. And so Paul has to step in and mediate in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. He says, so then, about eating food or sacrifice that had been sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. No matter what these people say are gods, they're not, he says. We know that there's only one God. For even if there are these so-called gods, he says, in the world, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many of these gods that people worship and many lords, he said, verse six, but for us, yet for us, there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. He says, some people, some, some Christians are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat and no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights just because something is okay to do doesn't mean that you should do it. He says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, 
Won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? Even though God has told them, you know what? You probably shouldn't do that. But, but what you're doing is maybe encouraging them to do something that God has convicted them that they shouldn't do. And so verse 11, so this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed or led away by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, even though it's okay for me to do, he says, I'll never do it again. I'll never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Now, he doesn't say that he's never going to eat meat again, but he says in those contexts, he knows that it's not going to be helpful. And so he chooses not to, if that's what it would do around those people. And so Paul says, look, he says, I get it. I understand. I'm a Jew. He says, I was raised that way too. My parents taught me that I shouldn't eat that stuff. And, and that's okay. He said, that's a, that is a good way to honor God when you have that conviction in your heart. He says, but don't pass judgment on the Gentiles who, who had different traditions. And then, then he says to the Gentiles and Gentiles, look, 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 look. He's like, look, yes, it's okay for you to eat that meat. It's not sinful. He says, but don't rub the Jew's face in your grace. Don't rub the Jew's face in your grace. Be respectful of their traditions, even if you don't agree with them. In other words, he says, be loving, be respectful, honor others above yourselves, even in, in your disagreements. In fact, you know, this is how different denominations have grown up over the years. All these different denominations in, Christian, in the Christian church with Baptists and Lutherans and, and Pentecostals and, and Presbyterians. And what has happened is many times there are these different convictions and, and we'll read scripture and some will tend to focus more on this area and others will kind of focus more on this area. But just because we're in different denominations doesn't mean that we're on opposing teams, Right? He says, listen, even, even when we have disagreements over some of those minor things, it's mostly the minor things. In most churches, we agree on the major stuff. We are all on the same team on Team Jesus. And so we can disagree without being disagreeable. How many of you are thankful that we've got all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people in our community? And so in Matthew 18, verse 15, Jesus said, but look, he said, when you do have to confront, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. And so there are times that we, we do need to confront. There are times when we need to get our feelings out there and be honest about how, we, how, we're, how we're dealing with some stuff or how somebody, what they did, how it made us feel. And more often than what we do, more often than not, what we do is when that happens, when somebody says something that we disagree with or does something that we think is offensive or doesn't line up with us, more often than not, what we do is pass judgment. We never even talk to them about it and off we go because we've rendered our verdict. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Even when you have to make a judgment, whatever you do, don't pass judgment because only God knows that person's heart and knows the whole story. 
And so the fact is the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We all need Jesus. We all need his grace and forgiveness in our lives. See, Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God that then leads to peace with others, God's love in us to the world. Through whom we have gained access by faith. How do we get this? How do we find peace with God? By faith. Through him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now, now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Anybody who will listen, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that, that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. And in case you were wondering, folks, that's what we call good news. That's good news. Would you stand with me? So Lord, we just invite you, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to speak into our lives and reveal any, in any way that we have been passing judgment against someone else. As you bring them to our minds, give us wisdom as we have the courage to seek your forgiveness, to confess the sin in our heart. And Lord, wash us clean. Help us to see those people with new eyes, with a new heart, to see them with the eyes of Jesus, with compassion, knowing that we're all sinners in need of a savior. And for anybody here today who needs that forgiveness in your life, maybe you've never crossed the line of faith and surrendered yourself to Jesus. Just right now in your heart, would you just say, Father, I confess that I need you. I confess that I've been selfish. I confess that I've lived for myself rather than for you. Just 
Just confess it in your heart right now. And declare right now, declare, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Believe it in your heart. Confess it with your mouth. And you will be saved. So now if you've confessed it with your heart, believed it in your heart and confessed it with your mouth, now make a declaration, make a commitment to God in your heart right now that says, I will follow you now and for the rest of my life. I'm not strong enough, I'm not good enough, but I know you are. Everything I need is found in you and your amazing, amazing, amazing grace and Lord we sing of your amazing grace now as we give thanks in the name of Jesus thank you for listening if you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan we invite you to visit our website at mw.church we are here to help you with any questions you might have see you next time